Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We're one week away from the NFL draft. And of course, the Bears are in their second week of off-season workouts they've been afforded an extra week because of the change in the coaching staff but that has not stopped people from freaking out as a matter of fact the chicago tribune's brad biggs uh, reported today in fact he actually tweeted this out he said and i quote expect a choppy moments with a new staff and a playbook but today's mini camp practice would generously be described as a rough ride for quarterback Justin Fields, especially in seven-on-seven seven drills or seven-on-seven, seven, a drill heavily tilted towards in, in to the favor of the offense. And of course, Bears fans are very reasonable. They took this uh, in a in a bad way, as you would expect. And I understand the fan uh, the, the the panicky nature of this fan base, but at the same time, you know, I took a moment to look back at some of the articles that were written last year about Joe Burrow. People were worried that he was going to fail. People had written off Jamar Chase as a bust as late as August. So Bears fans, we're working through a process here. We've still got a long, long way to go, but we don't have a long way to start the show. So Sammy, why don't you go ahead and roll that animation? Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It is going to be sick. Welcome to the show. I am Adam Rank, and uh, earlier, later today, we will be ha- we will be joined by Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated. But first, before we do that, I do want to go back and kind of just take a moment again to, to go over what, what is happening right now with the Bears. A, a new coaching staff, a new everything it seems and this is kind of a rookie year for justin fields and again one of the great things about living in this day and age is that we have so much access to everybody to every practice we know everything that's going on it's not just the guys who work for the athletic and the chicago tribune and the sun times it's everybody everybody's out there and everybody's over reporting these things happen all the time It, it takes a little bit of work you just can't expect this team to be operating like Aaron Rodgers and his team, which has had the same offense for a number of years now, and it has been playing in this league for a long time. It's just, it's not the reality of the situation. So I know that we're we're all panicking, and everybody's you know it's just it's Justin Fields a bust. You know we're a year into this, and even that like last year probably shouldn't even count. 
But here we are wondering what the direction of the Bears is going to be. And, and I understand, again, like it's been a long time. We're, we're tired of getting beat up by the Green Bay Packers each and every year. But this is a process that is being set in place to allow us to be successful for a large number uh, for a long time, hopefully. And that's what we're trying to do and what we're trying to work through. So, uh, you know, I, I remember this too, and I'll even bring up this. I know that I mentioned Joe Burrow as an example. Um, as everybody knows, I'm also an Angels fan. And I remember when Shohei Otani was going through his first spring training, people thought that he was garbage, thought it was not going to translate, that the Angels had, had spent way too much money. You know, Dodger fans were making fun of the Angels, like, oh, I'm glad we dodged a bullet. Glad we didn't sign that guy. You know what? I was in the, uh, I was at, I was dropping my daughter off at school today and a Dodger fan was like, can't wait for Otani to be a Dodger. I'm like, first of all, you clown, uh, you don't have to sign every good player in the world. And number two, you guys thought he was a bust after one spring training. So let's give this a little bit of time. Let's have some patience. And, uh, you know, speaking of patience, uh, we're going to be bringing on a guest today. As a matter of fact, you know what? He is, uh, one of my former colleagues, at the NFL Media Group, where he was a building block for the Around the NFL brand. He jumped ship to Sports Illustrated, where he became one of my, probably my favorite Sports Illustrated writer, uh, doing his thing on the Monday morning quarterback brand. Uh, his most recent article is why your college mascots are all wrong. It's hilarious. You need to go check that out. But I know you probably know him more uh, for a story he wrote last week, uh, a story titled The Bears Are Garbage and Justin Fields Should Leave These Clowns, although I might be projecting uh, just a little bit. But please welcome to the show my friend, my friend, everybody, Connor Orr. <laughs> Potter, did I get did I get the headline wrong? I'm sorry. You, you nailed it. The, the SEO it? and everything. Yeah, you got it perfectly right. Yeah, everything. How is how are you? First of all, how have you been? It's been a while since we we've been in each other's presence. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's been a long time since Super Bowl Fifty, the last time we hung out in person. A lot's changed in the world since then. It, it really has. You know, we were talking about that a little bit before the show started. It was the last time I think us as a full group, and I think of the full group uh, with the around the NFL guys, including uh, the late great Chris Wessling, and how wonderful that Super Bowl was. Although you didn't have a seat, and they sent you back to go <laughs> and purchase alcohol. Not only did you purchase alcohol, we ended up getting kicked. Like they, they tried to kick us out of the lobby. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I had the presence of mind to be like, you can't, we're guests at this hotel. This is the lobby. The lobby never <laughs> close, closes. And they're like, well, you got to leave. And we went around the corner, found some tables and a couple of bottles of Patron that you had procured. And uh, it turned out to be a pretty good night. Great night. Uh, I remember uh, fondly Chris Wessling and I screaming, uh, keep pounding the Carolina Panthers uh, fan uh, refrain. Oh and we just, for no reason at all, just kept hollering it uh, late into the night. That was uh, that was a very fond memory. Uh, there's Bowl. always a reason uh, when Chris would get on a when when Chris would get on one, it was a sight to behold. He was a he's a great he's a fun hang regardless of what's going. Oh yeah, on. you're going to Panda Express to have lunch. He's fun. When you get a couple of drinks in him, it like some people when you get alcohol in them, you don't know. Yeah, Chris somehow he aged well, like like a fine vintage wine. He got better. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. So it, it it's been a long time since I've seen you. So I'm happy that you were able to to jump on. Uh, with us here today. And obviously uh, you're kind of bemused by the attention uh, you've received from the Bears fans, which I, I don't know if you under, I, you're not a newbie to this, to this business. So I think you should know how this is going to be received, but I do want to start off with the overall general theme of the article, uh, which is that the NFL should have a transfer portal 
which is interesting to me because when you look at what's happened in the NFL during the offseason, uh, Russell Wilson transferred, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, uh, Debo Samuel seems to be the latest. Doesn't it feel like the transfer portal is already here? Yeah, I mean, the problem is I think you need a certain amount of cachet, right? And there's no vehicle for, you know, I wrote this about Justin Fields last year too, which is, so here's why I'm surprised by the attention the article got. Last year, I wrote Mm -hmm. that Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence um, specifically, um, but rookie quarterbacks in general should not be ashamed or afraid to request trades because, you know, this was after the Bears or the Browns game where Justin Fields got absolutely demolished. Trevor Lawrence was dealing with Urban Meyer. I think if you're a rookie quarterback, you should be able to go to your agent, go to the team and just be like, uh-uh, this is, you know, this is my workplace. This is how I'm going to build the rest of my life. And this is not working out for me. Uh, just like you and I would, if we went to a job and literally we walked in and half the building was on fire, would probably yeah. not want to stay there, you know? And so I, I, I've always just kind of been an advocate for, especially quarterbacks, um, you know, this ability to sort of just get out, you know, and it, you should be able to get out if there's a tanking situation, which I'm not accusing the bears of doing right, getting right. out. If there's a offensive situation that doesn't suit you, like, you know, people are saying this is soft, this is whatever, but you would, you would, any of these, anybody listening, anybody reading that article would do the same thing. If, uh, if this was going on in their workplace too. Yeah. If you went and if you went to go work at target, And all of a sudden they made you do something that was out of your job description or or do something that's dangerous, put you in harm's way, which I guess you could kind of reason the bears did (laughs) last year. Well, this is the thing. And, and, and honestly, I ask everybody, and I know that I jokingly referred to what the headline was all about. I'm going to pull a, I'm going to pull a quote out uh, from your story to show everybody like this isn't anti bears per se, uh, because although you do mention Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence and, but Justin Fields is the focal point of this story, but here's what you wrote. Uh, Poles is doing what any smart general manager would do. He's not throwing irresponsible money at the situation. He's not sacrificing future draft capital. He is, in fact, trading away players like Khalil Mack to acquire more capital. Uh, This is a plan that is best for Chicago moving forward as an organization, just not for the quarterback. I guess my pushback would be is that they're actually addressing what you were talking about last season, Matt Nagy was not putting him into a situation to succeed, but it feels like, and I know like there's a lot of weight, there's a long time to go, but it feels like the bears are moving in that direction. Wouldn't you agree? It's hard for me to say, right? For example, um, I was digging in the other day to you've Luke at Caesar offensive coordinator. Presumably you're running a version of what they're doing in Green Bay that requires right. a special kind of offensive line. You know, like every team that has run the Kyle Shanahan offense has revamped their offensive line and has gotten mm-hmm. player specific guys in there. How many of these guys have run outside zone before? Um, how many of these guys are well-versed in it? How comfortable is everybody going to be in that situation? Um, I just think it's hard, too, because you look at the immediacy of it. Um, you look at how fast expectations uh, are arising for young players in these positions. And if you're Justin Fields, you've had a disastrous first year schematically. If you don't have the means to improve significantly your second year, what does the third year look like? You know, I think the second year to me is is important. That's where you see most right. of the growth. If you talk to anyone, um, and I'm not 
giving this as a lock solid example, but any kind of gambling expert in Las Vegas, they'll say the teams that we bet on are second year quarterbacks, because that's where you always see the highest amount of growth, the highest volume right. of growth. Joe Burrow is a great example, right? Um, but what do we see right now that leads us to believe that Justin Fields is going to have more time. He's going to have more ability to develop. He's going to be able to get more comfortable because there were some bad habits that were developed last year. Right. What are we seeing now that he's going to have the platform and the opportunity to undevelop those and develop new, better talents, better habits, I should say. <clears throat> well, I think going out and, and, and signing Lucas Patrick to be the center, somebody who's well-versed in this offense. I know mm -hmm. they swung and missed with the, with the bills guard, but again, they got two young tackles that they're now trying out that, that seem to kind of fit the profile of what Ryan Poles wants to do. They're bringing in an offensive system that's tailor-made to Justin Fields. I, I don't think that you can compare it to what Joe Burrow was walking into last season mm -hmm. where they already had T. Higgins and uh, Tyler Boyd and they added Jamar Chase. He's probably running a year behind, and I know that he's specifically in year two. He's in the second year of his contract, uh, obviously, but I think that this is still kind of like a rookie season, and it feels like this is a ground floor type of situation where, yeah, he's not going to be able to go out there and have that second year where he's probably going to be in the Super Bowl, but I think if he goes out there and there will be signs that he can play without actually having to go out there and win a bunch of games. I think ideally that's how it would work, right? But I think we've just seen how many examples have we seen where, you know, progress is glossed over uh, and sacrificed for more of an immediate return. You know, I would say mm -hmm. that what's happened to Baker Mayfield in Cleveland has every, every quarterback's cynicism radar up on 200%. I mean, Baker Mayfield won them their first playoff game since the Cold War. Um, played last year with like a completely separated shoulder and then they're firing him and replacing him with Deshaun Watson. And, you know, I don't think, I don't think Brian Poles and Matt Eberflus, and I don't think the bears are that type of organization, but right. if you're Justin Fields, it's what are, what's in the brain of a young twenties person trying to make a living at this, trying to acquire a generational contract. And you're looking around and you're saying, I don't know. I don't know what's happening here. That's really great for me. You know, um, mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, I always try to put that guy's helmet on and look around and say like, what makes me super comfortable and super excited about going to work right now? No, but I, I think that being a part of something and I, I think that, you know, and, and you, you've used great examples of like every organization, anybody who's ever taken over an organization always says the right things. Like this is what we're trying to do. This is, this is, we're going to build a winning culture. We're going to do this. And I understand there is some skepticism. And I think the the Baker Bayfield situation is one that you need to be worried about. But I think that we've seen that some quarterbacks can still rise above that. I, I think that, you know, Justin Herbert was able to succeed. I don't think that Anthony Lynn was necessarily giving him a great opportunity to succeed, but we saw that he was a good quarterback. I think Justin Fields now being in a competent offensive system with a with an offensive coordinator that's learned that that has proven that he can work in this league. I think that there are, I, I I don't know what situations he would be walking into which would be better. Like if there was a transfer, like who are, what are the what are the what are the jobs? I mean, perhaps if he went to Indianapolis before Matt Ryan got there. I just think, and I think that this is probably the reason the Bears fans are the most upset, is that you do understand 
that you are pointing out like they're doing the right things. Justin Fields should look at this as a partnership at this point. And I think that sometimes that's where players could benefit is like you both like management and the player both have to buy in at this point. Spoken like a true uh, NFL employee. No, I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. Right. I'm messing with you. Um, I, I would say that. I would say that this is true in a perfect world, but we are littered with examples where I think that I just think if I'm a player, if I'm an agent, my radar is just up like nothing that anyone can promise me um, beyond, you know, like if they went to them and said, Hey, listen, like behind the scenes, like I know verbal promises don't mean anything, but if they tucked him back into a corner of Hallis hall and said, listen, like, this year is going to be tough, just like last year, but but you're our guy. Like, we promise you that. Like, we're not, mm -hmm. you're not going to hear next offseason Adam Schefter talking about us, maybe getting Ryan Tannehill or someone else to come in here and run the offense. You know, you're not going to hear any of that. We promise you that. That's great. I have no problem with that. Beyond that, um, I don't know what is in place for Justin to feel absolutely comfortable. Like, for example, the system is a great system. I've written back and forth about outside zone, probably more than anybody else um, in, in the national media. I feel like I have a really good understanding of it, but it's imperfect in that it, it, it didn't help Zach Wilson, you know, uh, right away. Mm -hmm. They're running a state version of an offense. They're in year two now of trying to acquire the right personnel to make it happen. We'll see what happens there. But, you know, I, I just, if I'm Justin Fields, I'm just concerned. That's all. Like, I think if there was an, if there was a mechanism in place, I would explore it. If I was Justin Fields, like I would say, Hey, what's it going to take to get me to Pittsburgh? What's it going to take to get me in a situation where I know that I'll probably be a little bit better taken care of than I am right now. Yeah. Well, at the same time, then doesn't that mean that like only will we, would we end up in a, and I guess the NFL is kind of in this situation, but um, where, yeah, only the blue bloods get to be the good teams, and then everybody's going to bounce. That anybody that's drafted by the Jets immediately is going to be like, "I'm out." Like I'm, I'm transfer, I'm, I'm accepting the jersey on draft <laughs> night, and then I'm also entering the 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 transfer portal because the Jets have historically been terrible. I, I, I just, I don't know. I think that I like, I kind of like the unofficial way that they're doing it now because the guys who are transferring, uh, so to speak have have played well on the NFL level. You know what I'm saying? Like they're they've yeah. got a read like Russell Wilson can kind of demand his way out of his out of a job. Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams for sure. Um Kyler Murray, like Kyler Murray's even won like a couple of like well he's had a couple of winning seasons. He's still having trouble figuring out what he's doing, even though they've surrounded him with a lot of talent too. That's I don't know. Like how would that work? Like they for for Kyler Murray and I know that we're I'm spreading it thin now, but like they brought in Devontae Adams and and AJ Green and built up a defense and then he's still upset about this. At some point, you got to be like, well, you also have to prove yourself before you can be like, I'm just getting out of here. I think there's a certainly a threshold, right? Like I think uh, you know Kyler Murray to me would not constitute. I mean, this is a they hired a coach who's running a system that you've been running since you were five years old right so yeah. uh, i would say that that constitutes as like breaking your back to bend over backwards right you got deandre hopkins you paid him 10 million dollars more than any other receiver was getting in the nfl at that point in order to make that transaction happen um mm -hmm. you know i i think that there were some 
pretty wild and outward examples of them bending over backwards. But you brought up an interesting point, and it's something that a Bears fan brought up to me on Twitter and kind of started a sub mini argument outside of the initial argument of this, which was, well, what happens then if you have this transfer portal? Isn't it going to create a situation where there's only five or six teams that people want to go to? And my response to that would be great, fantastic, because it forces other owners to not be shitty. Like, you know, there are probably 16 or 17 NFL owners that don't show up to their facility every day, that show up on draft day and screw the draft board up, um, that force coaches to do ridiculous things. I mean, you know, I was talking to someone for a profile of Nathaniel Hackett when he was uh, when he got the Broncos job and when they were in uh, Jacksonville he brought Blake Bortles to the AFC title game. And then the next year there was a directive to say, we need to be more exciting and throw the ball more. You're telling a guy that brought Blake Bortles to the AFC title game to change his offense. And it's ridiculous, you know? And so I'm just saying like all these owners constantly screw things up. And so good. You're going to get punished for it. You're going to learn from your mistakes. You're going to be sick of getting embarrassed and you're going to create a better and more hospitable place to conduct business. And we worried about this with the NBA. And now we have the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns and the, you know, all these weird teams with one random superstar yeah. winning titles, you know? And I think that's, I, I think it, it, it that's takes, terrible. It, <laughs> it takes getting there to make the whole thing more equitable, I think. And I think owners just need to get woken up. I think they do. And I think they do need to be held accountable. Um, but I feel, and I don't, I don't know if you're taking a shot. I, I don't think that Virginia can show up to the to the Bears facility every day. I think that's unfair. <laughs> oh, well, okay, yeah, he doesn't. Unfair. He doesn't need to be required to do that. <laughs> I think too, and I again, you know, putting myself, we're we're coming from a Bears perspective. I think because, and in reading this article, and I knew what you're getting at. This is why I, I was, I I did like your point. Like I I do agree. I I'm pro player. Like I am like, I, I agree with like Debo Samuel, like, yeah, you don't want to be a running back. You want to play for 15 years. You're not going to do that if you have to run the ball a hundred times. And I get that, like that, that part of it's good. I think that our biggest issue is that the bears are trying, like we're legitimately trying to do the right thing. We're trying to put a good organization around him. And you even say like, they're not, I think there was another part too, where you're, you were talking about like not throwing away money irresponsibly, like. Ryan Poles didn't go out there and reset the wide receiver market by giving Christian Kirk $90 million. And again, the Bears don't have the draft capital right now to go out there and get Tyree Kill or to get Debo or even not that Devontae Adams would get traded to the Bears. They can't do that. I think like, why didn't you pick on the Jets? Is it your, <laughs> like you, you, you fear me less than you fear Dan Hanses? Like the Jets have like 80 picks. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, why aren't, why aren't they the ones? being held to the fire like they're never good like they're never in the playoffs the bears were at least in the playoffs two out of the last four years we've tried to put together winning organizations we've tried to build through the draft and do the right things i think that that's the big thing is like why are we sick like what we're just sitting here running our own business justin seems locked in like ready to go like what are you doing to us so here's a full, uh, so this is before the Jaguars hired Urban Meyer, but when the Jets were in line for the number one pick last year, I wrote in October that Trevor Lawrence should stay in college because yeah. you sh- he you just shouldn't go to the Jets. You shouldn't play there. They have never developed a quarterback in modern history. Ownership is a mess. 
like don't go there. And and then all these Jets fans were tweeting me throughout the season and being like, oh, the Jaguars are better. I didn't know they were going to bring in an insane person who didn't prepare right. for the, you know, I didn't know they were bringing in urban Meyer. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I would have said to definitely stay in college then don't go to any of these teams. Um, so <laughs> I, I've, I've picked on the jets. I've been in trouble. Um, I think, I think the jets are in year two of this. And if you're Zach Wilson and you're Justin Fields sitting there, would you rather an offensive line that is now two years into the system? Would you rather a, uh, a GM who made the swing to try to get Tyreek Hill, you missed, um, yeah. but you're thinking big. Um, you already have acquired some talent uh, via free agency. Like you've shown the willingness to, the hard part is already over, right? And now it's the time to reap, right? And mm -hmm. you get CJ Uzoma, which everybody was saying doesn't matter, but I think was one of the best pass blocking tight ends in oh, the NFL okay. last year. If, if the bears had signed CJ Uzama, I'm not saying that's it. They would, you know? they, they would have been like, Oh, there they are signing another tight end again. We would have, <laughs> we would have for that. That's true. That's a, I, I forgot that was a sensitive, that was a soft spot. A um, little, little too, little too close to home. That's true. Um, but I feel like there is a, if I were one of those two quarterbacks, I would be less paranoid um, because I think that the bears are still in the active rebuilding phase, right? Like the yeah. foundation of the house isn't finished yet. And so if I'm Zach, it's like, okay, I know this is all on me now. Like if I don't perform, I'm screwed up. Uh, you know, I'm done for, but that's on me. It, you Justin Fields still, it's kind of like, if I have a bad season, everyone's going to think I'm a bad quarterback, but is that necessarily the case? And the water's going to kind of be muddy on that, you know? Like it's not, it's not all on him uh, if they, if he has a bad season, you know, it's a fair point. And so I would ask if, if you are, if you are either Justin Fields or Zach Wilson uh, and you put, you put on that hat of that mm -hmm. 22 year old, 23 year old guy, Justin Fields came into the NFL last year and was lied to and hung out to dry. Is that, yeah. do we agree with that? That's hundred percent. Yes. Okay. So when the next guy comes in and says, we're building this the right way around you. Is there a part of you in the back of your mind that says the last time someone told me this, I was lied to and hung out to dry. And when people tell other quarterbacks, this around the NFL, they're also lied to and hung out to dry. Is there a part of you in the back of your mind? That's like, everybody says the right thing, but I just don't know. Versus if you're Zach Wilson, I'm just saying you arrive, you come in, they, um, and I'm not saying that any of this is the right thing to do. No, I'm I just got saying, you. uh, you arrive, you come in, uh, they bring in, uh, Mike LaFleur, who was, uh, a head coaching candidate, uh, you know, well regarded, hot, yeah, well regarded, hot coordinator. Uh, you bring in the offensive line coach, which in that system is more important than the offensive coordinator. Like that was to get John Benton was a coup viewed as a coup in that situation. Right. Mm -hmm. You, um, you have, um, you have draft capital and cap space coming on the back end. You sign like Corey Davis. Um, you then, you know, you make all these, you bring in uh, John Beck, who is his private quarterbacks coach to come in and translate the offense for him you make the effort to trade for Tyreek Hill, which again, point taken. Uh, and you should take your wife on a nice vacation, by the way. I would, um, yeah, I would, I would like to, <laughs> but yeah. Um, 
which guy probably sleeps sleeps better at night right now? And 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 if there is a transfer portal option that exists, which guy is kind of just like thumbing through the available real estate in other markets, and which guy isn't? That's kind of the question that I'm asking. Like Zach Wilson is probably like you know if it doesn't work, at le- you know at least everybody's trying. You know it's and it yeah. seems like everyone's trying. But if I'm Justin Fields, I'm just. I'm probably so jaded from what happened last year. And I understand it's a different group of people, but I think that people have to understand the scars that this stuff leaves, you know, on players that just bounce from team to team, situation to situation. You know, if I'm him, I'm I'm just sort of damaged goods in a way, just because it's like, you know, I'm I'm worried about what's gonna happen here. You know, they hire a defensive head coach. Again, I mean, you know. I thought the Eberflus hire was great. Um, yeah. We've been ever, we, at the MMQB. We've been writing that teams should hire him since 2017. Um, I thought right. it was a great hire. Um, you know, I'm just saying, if I'm him, I'm looking at it and being like, okay, we have no idea what this left tackle is going to look like. Um, that's that's scary to me. Um, we don't have a first round draft pick to go and get a tackle. That's scary to me. Um, Allen Robinson's gone. You know, who's going to win me some of these balls? that, you know, he would have won me, you know, in, in different situations. So that, that's probably where my head's at. Right. And if there is a chance to, if there's a chance to go to other places, a, a mechanism in place that existed, I would, I would be looking if I were him. That's all, you know, I would say, Hey, you know, because it's him, it's at the end of the day, it's his, his little stat line on pro football reference is that something that he's got to wear on his chest. Ryan Poles right. doesn't have to wear that. Ryan Poles can win executive of the year next year after going what three and if they go three and 14 this year, which I'm not saying they will, but right. you know, he can win executive of the year next year by having a bad season, acquiring draft capital, um, you know, getting themselves back on sound financial footing and then getting uh, like a Sam Darnold deal for Justin Fields on the back end, you know? Um, and then he doesn't have to worry about it. Justin Fields has to wear that stat line and then he has to show up somewhere else, damage goods. And that's a hard place to be in the NFL. It's a really, really hard place to be. No, it's, it's difficult. And a lot of what you're saying is absolutely correct. And, you know, obviously the jets have gone through quarterbacks as much as the bears have Sam Darnold's gone to Carolina. How did that benefit him? I would just look at it. If I'm Justin Fields and I, I get exactly what you're saying, I don't think that he was necessarily lied to. He was just never given an opportunity. I think that last year they had Andy Dalton in place and he got all the first team reps. They did not gear this offense around him. To me, this has got to be a different experience. Like it has got to be night and day compared to last season where, you know, last year you were almost like, I don't know. I don't know if Matt Nagy resented him being there, but Matt Nagy was already with somebody else. Andy Dalton was his guy. You might get a couple of plays here and there. He comes into that Rams game in week one, looks like a good quarterback. And you're like, God, that would have been nice to have seen him get a full rep in the offseason. Nothing was catered for him. Like he was just there. Like, you know, you're the you're the assistant that somebody hired, and they tell you to go sit in the corner while everybody else is doing work. And you're like, Well, I'd like to do something. You're like, Well, you sit there and you just keep your mouth shut. We'll throw you into a Cleveland game, not design anything for you. Instead, this year, now I and I and I understand your overarching point about like why would you try why would you hire why would you trust polls? I would trust him more than I would trust Ryan Pace. If they had kept the general manager. 
That is where I think you would be absolutely correct in what you're saying to where like, I would never trust that MF ever again after what happened to me, my rookie season. I think that if some, and I, and I'll put him in this headspace and listen, we've worked in an industry where there's a lot of turnover and me personally, I always give a benefit of the doubt to anybody who comes in. John Marvel, one of our former bosses, when he was brought in, I bought into what he said immediately. And I'd gone through a number of bosses and I'm like, okay, I'm buying in. Like I, I'm going to give him one year to earn my trust, which he did. And he ended up being one of the best bosses I ever worked with. And I think that where, where Justin is right now, I think that that, and just knowing his background and, and knowing the way his family is, I think that they would do that. They would be like, okay, Ryan Poles is coming in. He's saying the right things. I have no reason not to believe him right now. And I think that given the situation and everything that's kind of in front of them, it's like, I'll allow it. Like everything's getting catered to me. I'm the number one guy. It's not questioned. They didn't bring in a veteran backup. They didn't bring in Marcus Mariota to back me up. They're not bringing in Baker Mayfield. They didn't bring in anybody. You know, Nick, like they brought in Trevor Simeon, who's not a threat to anybody's job. There's somebody there who's just to be somebody that I can rely on. I think that a situation's worked out. And you know what? We haven't seen what they're going to do in the draft. So there might be a lot more stuff left to go. So I think that I could over, I, I, I appreciate what you've been writing and I agree, but I think that, you know, this is a brand new situation with a brand new general manager. And I think that he's just got an, I think we just have to give him a chance to go out there and prove what he's saying. Yeah. And I think part of the criticism of the piece was um, that it was too early on. And, you know, I, I thought about that while I was writing it. Um, it, but I would just say like, it's not too early um, if you're Justin Fields because of what we had said before, like you've already had a rough ride in the NFL, you've already had a, your wake up call. And so what I'm saying is you're probably, maybe you're approaching Ryan Poles with, you know, the hair on the back of your neck still standing up, right? You're still in that, like, you know, uh, aggressive stance. You're like, okay, what's happening here? But maybe you allow it some time. But I would say that you're, my hand's always on the eject button there. You know what I right. mean? And I think that it's just going to be that way for a little while. I mean, I've talked to players who have endured, you know, full on, and I'm not, I don't, I hope Bears fans don't equate this. I'm not saying this is a tanking situation, but no, no, no. I've talked I've talked to players who have endured that um, that full on tanking situation. We look at how uh, how un uh, unfixably screwed up to a tongue of Iloa is right now in in Miami. Mm. You know, for example, and it's like I'm I'm just worried that that's going to happen to me. You know, and I think that yeah. it's a fair concern. I think you know in the NFL there's that such that fine window between developmental prospect and trash heap backup, you know, and as soon as you hit that cliff and go off, there's no coming back, right? There's no earning right. generational money. There's no, you know, $50 million a year contract extension. And so you have to be so precious with all of those years very early on in your rookie contract. I mean, it's, you know, I keep going back to Baker Mayfield, but like that guy is not, Absolutely. you know, is going to play for peanuts in 2023. And he won the Browns first playoff game since what was it? 1980. Since Brian Sype, Bernie Kosar. Probably. Oh, yeah. Man. So it's like, okay, you know, Vinny um, Tessa Bernie, maybe, but yeah, it, it's been a while. Would you say though, uh, talking about this and uh, you know, you, you think about Trevor Lawrence, should Trevor Lawrence be a little 
Should he be a little scared? I mean, like, you know, you saw what happened to Blake Bortles after he got his team to the AFC Championship game. Even though you brought in Doug Peterson, well, Doug Peterson's a guy who won a Super Bowl by ejecting off of the second overall pick in the draft and going with Nick Foles. Should should Trevor Lawrence be concerned, or, or what do you think there? I think Trevor Lawrence uh, is in a situation where they were so scared of, I mean, they were so concerned about his developmental arc that they took an embarrassingly large swing at the head coaching situation the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're so scared about his developmental arc that they made the safest choice they possibly could on the head coaching market the second time. And I think that they're so legitimately terrified about screwing him up as a prospect that they are overspending they're overreaching and again is that the best for overall organizational health i don't know you know that's a tough thing to say i mean they have to you know they're in a different situation too because they have to spend some of that money right Right. um you know some of that money has to be gone and the christian kirk deal is bad but it is get outable pretty quickly you know um Mm -hmm. and so i would say like you know from trevor lawrence you know, it's an interesting place to put these three, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields. Like from Trevor Lawrence, I'm like, okay, you know, I feel better about giving this a year than Justin Fields given this a year, personally, right? Yeah. Because I'm like, this is what I see. And Trevor Lawrence, I think, is also in a very different position where he came out as the established heir apparent John Elway. And mm-hmm. if the Jaguars screw this up, it's LOL Jaguars, right? It's not you know, and I think he would get generational money to go play somewhere else. Um, I don't think Justin Fields has that luxury necessarily. Yeah. I look at it though, where I don't know. I I think that if the bears had gone out and done everything that Jacksonville has done, they would get dinged for that. Like, Oh, here come the bears. Same old story, you know, new Ryan in town. And yet he's doing the same things and throwing away money and spending all this draft capital for old guys I don't know. And again, I'm very biased because I'm a Bears fan. And I just, I, in addition to like seeing what's happening, I also want it to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a, there's a bear, there's, there's the Bears fan in us. Who's like, we understand what he's doing and we want that to be successful. Maybe not looking at it as critically as we should, but I still think, and again, we'll see what happens a week from now or where we stand 10 days from now and what the, what the, what the receiver room looks like, what the, what the offensive line looks like. I would, I almost feel better about building from scratch. And I think that that's a better, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I see that of the, of the Jags, the Jets and the bears for again, a very biased view. Like I, I see the bears as the most credible organization of the three. They've been more competitive, even though the, the Jags, well, they got to the championship in 2017. The bears did make the playoffs in 2019 and 2021. I think the bears are a better franchise. And I, I don't know that to me just stands out a little bit more of like, all right, I'm willing to give this another shot. Plus, you know, it feels like the organization is building in the right way because I think when Ryan Pace came in, and I've always said that like Ryan Pace died so Ryan Poles could move forward. Like you've seen the Bears add to their staff. Like they didn't have an assistant general manager before. Now they have Ian Cunningham. They're adding to their analytics department. They're adding to their football staff. They're actually making positive signs, which to me – uh, as a as a young man, I would probably be like, okay, this is cool. I think I can work with this going forward. I think the Bears are in the right direction, though. 
I would say this. I would say um, it's an interesting question, and we've been debating this a lot at the office, right? The teardown, full-scale rebuild versus what we've seen the last two Super Bowl champions do, um, uh, some kind of version of, right? And does the full-scale rebuild actually work? Does it actually happen anymore? Or have we seen general managers artfully circumvent the process to the point where we shouldn't have to expect that or endure that anymore. Right. And I know yeah. that the Buccaneers, for example, you know, it took a long time of them being bad to get Mike Evans and to get Vita Vea and to get, you know, all those guys. And you were one quarterback away because you were bad for a couple of years. And I, and I understand that, but like Sean McVay made a very, very bad Rams team competitive in a year. Like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I think there are coaches now that the NFL is such that I think that you could win with a mediocre roster and that I think that the strategy at this point has evolved to the point where you're seeing a picks don't matter strategy pay off in, in a really significant way. And so you could argue those two things back and forth, right? Is there a merit to what Ryan Poles is doing long-term or if you're Justin Fields, are you looking at this and saying Goff and them got better in a year and they just started trading crazy capital and spending crazy money and getting all these stars and Jared Goff got to the Super Bowl after bottoming out with Jeff Fisher, like two years yeah. after bottoming out with Jeff Fisher. Is that me or is that, you know, is that the pace that this thing is this thing is heading at or is it, you know, is it something different? And so I think that there are a lot of different general manager philosophies now, but I think that quarterbacks owners and us all see that this can happen a whole lot faster than we've been told that it happens in the past. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you're sitting here talking about that, that's, what's giving me hope is that uh, obviously Sean McVay is the offensive wizard, but is Eberflus the guy who's going to come in and put in a culture and identity to this bears team. That's going to get them competitive a lot quicker than, than normally. I mean, if you have a coach that has accountability and you have a defense, that's better and you have an offense that has a system designed for the quarterback, I think that can turn around and be successful. And I think that, you know, one of the things that was great about the Rams is how well they drafted. You know, remember, you know, I, I know you know this, but I, a lot of people forget. Well, Bears fans know this because Aaron Donald was mocked 14th to the Bears in every single mock draft from Bucky Brooks, Daniel Jeremiah, Melk. Everybody had Aaron Donald going to the Bears, and it was a shock that the Rams took him at 13. You know, they had Chris Long, they had Bobby Quinn at the time. They didn't need a they didn't need defensive line. They had a lot of other needs. They took Aaron Donald. So it's you get to you get to this luxurious position of being able to then trade away your draft picks and bring in Jalen Ramsey and Leonard Floyd and and Odell Beckham Jr. when you have a good foundation. And I guess if you're counting on Justin Fields being good, if you're counting on the two tackles that they drafted last year being good, if these guys develop, you have a roster. You're like, okay, we've got some pieces in there. And I think that, you know, given the landscape of the NFC, perhaps the Bears do come out and are a little bit competitive. Obviously not of the upper card of the, uh, you know, the Buccaneers and the Packers and the Rams, but still, um, you know, that's it. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's, it's an interesting argument, I would say. From a Bears fan perspective, I get it. There is always a sensitivity 
with new GMs and coaches because I, and I believe this too. I mean, I am, uh, you know, most of what I do um, centers around, you know, reporting on new coaches, new executives, you know, what makes it work, what doesn't work. Um, and so I understand the excitement. I understand the defensiveness. I would say that if you are sitting there and you're saying, okay, well, what if the tackles work and what if yeah. the system works and what if the, you know, and if I'm a quarterback whose livelihood depends on certainties versus what ifs, I am, I'm just a little bit nervous. That's, I that's what I would say. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, listen, I know you got to run. Uh, we appreciate all the time that you've taken us, uh, taken us, taken with us here today. We uh, will welcome you back. Um, I'm always happy to have you on. Always happy to talk to you. Uh, and, I hope and I'm cool with Bears fans now, by the way. We no, could, we're gonna, like... no, no, no. We're talking shit on you once you leave. Um, <laughs> I will I will tell you that you. I'll still get you Madden codes and everything. Like, don't have to worry about that. We're, we're still cool. My Bears man. fans, I don't know. I'll try to smooth everything over after you leave, but I know you got an interview to do right now. We thank you uh, for doing that, and uh, we really appreciate it. I think you're a good guy. So, and I think you, this was a, this was a great conversation. So, thank you so much. For no, you, I appreciate Adam. you, Connor. All right, get out of here. So we can talk bad about it. There he goes. The great Connor or um, again, like I think it's a, it's a philosophical thing that we're talking about. And I really appreciate his point of view. And I did, I did really like the story. And I think that again, going back to the overarching point of the NFL should be, you should be allowed, you know, if you do, if your organization is not doing right by you, you should have the opportunity to go out there and, and benefit your situation. I think that our point, and I think this is where the bears fans are coming from is that we want it. And, and again, this is coming from a want. We want the Bears to be successful. We want all these picks to hit. I really do, honest to God, believe, and I would say this to anybody, that I would I would play this out. I, I look at Carolina. I look at Seattle. Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh's a little bit tough. Like, I, I could see, like, yeah, I want to go to Pittsburgh. Like, yeah, I, I understand. Um, well, we, we'd have to bring Mitch back. But in any event, I, I, I think that, and I hope this is what Justin Fields sees is that this is a situation that will benefit him in the long run, that if they are doing the correct things, which I believe that they are, that at some point this will all pay off. The bears will once again be the Kings of the North and it'll be the benefit of Justin for sticking it out. And that's the big thing. So I, I get what Connor was saying. I hope that, you know, listen, anybody who is here tuning in, hoping that I was going to take wild swings at my friend, I was not going to do that. We gave him the benefit of the doubt. He expressed his views. I expressed mine. We walk away friends. Listen, I like all the guys that you guys in the bears, the bears fandom don't always like, I know everybody's mad. Well, maybe not, maybe not pro football talks, Michael Florio, who is just being the whole notion of like they're trying to sabotage, like at least that's not what Connor was saying. Like he's not saying like the Bears are trying to sabotage him or tanking. That's where Michael Florio was coming from. But I think that I think the Bears are on the right track. And I think that again, we'll discuss this next year if it looks like it is not going in the right direction. We can revisit this. But ultimately, I think the Bears are on the right path. I appreciate Connor's point of view. Appreciate your input. But I think Justin's fine. I think we're fine. And I think overall, in the long run, this relationship between Ryan Poles, Justin Fields, Matt Eberflus, I think it's going to end up being a winning combination. And we still have got, you know, a draft coming up a week from now that we'll be able to discuss that 
as well. So I uh, want to thank everybody for uh, joining us here today. Sorry, I know there was a couple of audio hookups. So thankfully, Sammy is a wizard and you probably won't even notice. And if you do, I, uh, we apologize. Uh, next week is the draft. We'll be able to finally, we'll get into the draft and, and break down some of the picks. We might have a little bit of a different schedule, uh, but we will be with you next week. Take it to the rank. We'll return on Tuesday. By the way, nothing serious. Uh, I was on Total Access Tuesday night. I had a comedy show at the clubhouse in Orange County. Uh, the timing wise just didn't quite work out, but thanks to everybody who was concerned and everything like that. But we'll be back for Take It to the Rank this week. We'll have a great guest for you. Don't know who it is yet, but we will have a great guest because we always do. But until that time, bear down. And Sammy, why don't you play us out? And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.